Welcome to the CLB Forge podcast, brought to you by CLB North American Mission. This is the show to help equip you and your church for mission, ministry, and multiplying disciples. Welcome to episode 95 of the Forge podcast. I'm Dan Stenberg. And I'm Mike Natal. As many of you know, we have an election for the Office of President of the Church of the Lutheran Brethren that will be taking place at the upcoming biennial convention this June in Fergus Falls. The Forge podcast has been asked to interview each of the candidates so that we might get to know them a little bit better. How we decided to do this was that we had two separate columns of questions. In column A, we put like six questions relating to their families, things they like, that kind of stuff. And in column B, we put a bunch of questions regarding their candidacy, their leadership strengths, that sort of thing. We then let them pick three questions from each column to answer. And we had a special question at the end that they both got to respond to, and that's how we did it. With that, this is the conversation that we got to have with Ryan Nielsen on his bid for the presidency. Hey, Ryan, it's great to have you here, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Mike and Dan. It's great to be with you in in this setting, to be here as a candidate. It's like the honor, it, it's the honor of a lifetime to be asked to be a nominee for this role. And uh, I'm, I'm just really excited for that chance and for this chance to, to talk with you guys today. So thank you. It's great to have you with us today, Ryan. We, we have a, two kind of sets of questions, one that's going to be a little bit more about personal, who you are, and then others more dealing with your candidacy. So the first question is, tell us about your family. Help us get to know the Nilsons a little better. So uh, my wife's name is Kirstie, uh, and we have, we have five kids. So I've been married to Kirstie for 19 years this May. It'll be 19 years. She's, she's amazing. Um, she, just so many things are so great about her. She loves volleyball, and our, our kids are athletic thanks to her, not thanks to me. And anything they know about sports... Thanks to her, not me. Kirstie, uh, she loves the Lord. She has an amazing faith. And I, I think she has the gifts of discernment. I, I, I think that we, we're we serving in ministry as a family in a big part because of, of her gifts. She sees that what I do, what we do as part of a family calling. And that's super encouraging to me when I'm on a long trip, going through a challenging decision. She's just such an awesome partner in ministry. She's passionate about mentoring other women so in the last oh five to ten years this has really become a major focus in her life the the mentoring of other women she also loves working with middle middle school students so she's a a middle school volunteer which in my opinion those are like the green berets of youth ministry Mm -hmm. the ones that 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 love middle school students so she's just fantastic she's also the daughter of uh, some clb missionaries owen and doreen erickson they were uh, CLB missionaries in Cameroon, and they and Kiersey's brother, they were killed in a car accident in Cameroon when she was about four, and she and her sister were raised by Owen's brother, Norm, and his wife, Gloria. So she grew up in the mission field, uh, you know, life-changing tragedy as a young kid, grew up in the in the farmlands of eastern Washington after that as well. So she's she's really had a, an amazing journey. Uh, God's taken her many different places. We got five kids. Owen, he is 16 and he's a, he's a sophomore at Hillcrest. He's he's uh, really enjoying that experience there. Kirsten and I both went to Hillcrest previously um, and and so now Owen is there and it's it's pretty pretty wild having him there. So hey, if you if you wind up voting for me, you'll be like reuniting our family. 
So there's a there shameless plug. Yeah, put a little plug for some. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Owen, he's he's a lot of fun. He he loves uh, drama. He loves the outdoors. He's artistic. He's hilarious. He's kind of the the the, the family clown. Clara is 14. She is uh, very intelligent and thoughtful. Uh, she's the family diplomat. She's the the ringleader of the kids' snow shoveling business. Um, Elsie, Elsie and Claire are twins, so Elsie's also 14, and she's very artistic. She's very engaging and passionate um, and just great at connecting with, uh, with her peers. Annie is 13. She's hilarious, too. I mean, she's just got a, a really sharp wit, great conversationalist, very outgoing. She loves skiing, like I do. And uh, Brayton is our youngest child, our, our youngest son, and he died about 10 years ago when he was six months old of uh, kidney failure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's, he's, uh, we've been separated for, for 10 years from him, but uh, he's part of our family and uh, our time with him, his death has shaped how we, how we view eternity, how we spend life here, how we experience and, and shoulder the, the pain of others as well. The kind of pain and loss has helped us to lean on others for support, like our church family. It's uh, something God has used to shape the, the ministry that he has for us uh, with other people as well. Hmm. So that's my crew. I do have to admit there is going to be one member in your household that is probably really disappointed that you forgot about him and will probably get some hate email over it once he figures out how to use the email system. But I know that you know the glue that holds your family together is the Moe's man. Do you want to tell us a little bit about Moe's, Ryan? Yeah, we have a dog. Sure, I'll tell you about our dog. We have a dog. And, um, you know, I tell people... Uh, when we got a dog, it, you know, we we hadn't made any bad financial decisions in a while, so we we were overdue. So we decided to get a dog. Amen, brother. And it's been great. We we love him, and it drives us crazy. I think every dog owner knows that. So we he's like a he was the last. There's this um, uh, grocery cashier selling puppies at our local grocery store, and Kirsty would go by, and there'd be the the puppies would be selling and then the prices started to drop and then finally the you know i think there was like one left or the the sign went away and kirsty um you know she this is something great about kirsty like she she is uh she just she sees herself as a missionary neighbor right so she and like she would uh, up until covid we had our kids in public school and and she would go in the the pickup line where you can instead of kids riding the bus you can go pick them up and she would go to the pickup line and she would go early so she could stand in line with uh, the other parents and get to know get to know other parents especially the other moms like that's just how she mm-hmm. does life like she'll and she'll go to the grocery store at busy times because she can run into more people and I'm like that's just that's amazing so so she's been getting to know this cashier the dog the dogs are selling, and then she asks, "Oh, did you sell all your puppies?" Uh, no, you know, there's just one. We just can't can't get rid did of the them. Cashier, give her a coupon for it. <laughs> I don't know. So we we bought the last puppy, and that was that was like six years ago now. Um, nice man. 
yeah, he's a lot of fun. Goes hiking with us. He's weird. He's scared of scared of planes, but not scared of bears. Like he'll charge at bears, but that's what happens when you buy your dog at the grocery store. I guess that's kind of how those things go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, I mean, this just sounds like a perfect segue for us to ask your next question, Ryan. How did you meet your wife? I met Kirsty when I was at seminary. So I, I went to Lutheran Brethren Seminary in Fergus Falls, Minnesota. Uh, started in the fall of 90, no, started in the fall of 01, graduated 04. So right in the middle of that, Kirsty started uh, working at Hillcrest. So she and I had both gone to Hillcrest, but we went different different times. So never, never met at, at Hillcrest. She came back to work as a, what they call a dean or a resident life assistant, which is kind of like a, almost like a dorm parent. She moved there um, at the beginning of the summer and like at May or something, there was some kind of seminary uh, open house or something for graduates. And we actually met there uh, for the first time. And that summer we, we hit it off and we, we had the same group. We had friends in common. So we were part of the same friend group and everything. And then during the summer, other people in the group started kind of, uh, you know, jobs and things like that. They would go, go away. They'd, and it wound up being just us basically. And we really, really hit it off. We date, we started dating. We dated for, this is the part that someday my kids are going to hold against me. We dated for five weeks before we got engaged. And then we had a pretty long engagement. We were engaged for about nine months. We got got married in uh, May of '03. Pretty long. You engagement. think nine months is yeah. a long engagement? It's not a long engagement to... in comparison to the amount they dated. <laughs> that's that's it. Like that's the only way that's a long engagement. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Well, the part of the story, yeah, that horrifies most people is that we dated for five weeks before we got engaged. Yeah, and I, that's the part that I, I think is going to come back to haunt me, you know, in some kind of protracted conversation with one of my kids, you know, that's going to be uh, used it. against me. Yeah. yeah so, so nine months isn't a long engagement or no. What do you think? So that's long, a very short engagement. What do you I think? Mean, so long? Lindsay and I were engaged wait, for longer Dan, than a year before Dan we got and, married. How long were you? We, wait, Mike, how long were you engaged? We, we got engaged on the 15th of March. We got married on the 11th of july but the following year so we were engaged for like 18 months no 16 <laughs> months 16 months okay. we can do math okay yeah. yeah all right how about you dan how about how about you and karen yeah we <laughs> i mean we dated for six months and then we were engaged for six months and she was 18 and we got married so I oh, share your fears. Okay. Uh, okay. Like I, we've set something up here. It's like, well, yeah, so this is yeah. what we did. Doesn't mean you have to do it. Like you can yeah. date someone longer than five weeks before you decide to propose yeah. to them. Oh, that's hey, man, funny. That's good. It works out. That's good. That's good. That's good. Oh, yeah. Okay. So here's, <laughs> yeah. So Kiersey and I, uh, you know, we'd never met before, but we had friends in common and our sisters had actually been roommates at Hillcrest Academy. So they, they were really good buds. So the best part of the story, so Owen just started going to Hillcrest, and we we sent him early as a sophomore just because of stuff with the pandemic. It was, seemed like good timing for him, and uh, he wanted to go, and we were able to work it out. So 
when I first time I came to visit him, we we he showed me around the student union, which is the old seminary building. And I took him to the entrance, the kind of a spot in the entryway, and I said, "Owen, this is the spot where I met your mother." Uh, and he you ruined it and for he him. Said, huh? Now he vomits every time he walks past <laughs> it. He dry he, heaves a little bit. He said, "Oh, gross." That's a <laughs> nah, dude. He's got to like slap the wall every time. Thanks. I'm here because of you. Like that's that's how that should be going. Dude, you're going to take him to... Yeah, never mind. I thought you were going to be like, this is where we kiss for the first time. It was like, this is where we met. I mean, that's good. That's good. Like, all right. Oh, no. I, and I, I get him with that one, too. You know, drive drive by. Yeah. Hey, this is where we first kissed. Oh, dad. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's yeah. just... It never gets knife. old. Never Sink gets the old. knife. That's yeah. right. So, we've gotten to know your family a little bit. Got to know how you met your wife. You have the the chance to go anywhere that you would like to go for vacation, right? Like... Cost isn't a thing. You can do whatever it is that Ryan's little heart desires. I mean, big heart. Ryan's big heart desires. Where are you going, man? Like, what are you doing on your vacation? Oh, I, I think if I could pick anywhere, cost is not an issue. I'd go on a, a 10-day backpacking trip in the mountains. So that, cost could be an issue and it wouldn't matter. Like, you could just <laughs> you could just go no matter what because it's it's Okay. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Making me snort here. Uh, I mean, I, I, the things I love to do on vacation, backpacking, skiing, uh, swimming. So Sweet. Yeah. Cross country, downhill skiing? Um, I like them both. I think downhill. Okay. I don't do much downhill. It's it's an expensive one. Um, yeah. Well, cost so, isn't an issue. So you can go downhill. Oh, oh yeah, that's like, right. If I you're can. going. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going on a backpacking trip that includes skiing and swimming. I don't know how you are put you them all together. In like, but are you swimming? Like, I mean, the, that's someone else's problem. You could like have a out. hotel where you have the nice pool, oh, or the, are you swimming in the nice Arctic waters at the lakes at the top of these mountains you've just backpacked to? Like, do you like the cold water? Like, are you are you doing the polar bear dive or whatever they call that? I will. I'll swim in in rivers and alpine ponds in the summertime okay okay very quickly yeah yeah no i think i I love backpacking i love getting out in nature um often it's something you do with friends you know it's just a great way to get to know people and it's a great way to just get away from the the normal routines of life and yeah i I love the mountains i love new hampshire and um i love love the mountains in colorado and i'd love to explore some other parts of the country where there's all kinds of all kinds of mountains to to check out mm-hmm. that's that's honestly what i would do if if money's not an object and i can go fly wherever to i'd go explore some other parts of the country where i can do that kind of stuff but you can also talk me into skiing nope no doubt so as we segue into our more presidential related questions we have kind of a segue question and so, Ryan, I'm wondering if you can tell me what one of your favorite Lutheran Brethren memories is. The first one that came to my mind was actually when I was at Hillcrest, when I met Harland Helland. He was just was so energetic and enthusiastic. It, you know, it was just kind of, kind of amazing to kind of intersect with his story a little bit at, at the end of his ministry. But it's interesting, the, the longer I've been serving in the CLB, the longer, the more I, the more I hear about him, the more I've learned about him and the impact he had. I really believe God has a, a role for us on the mission field here in North America. And something that's great about the CLB is 
is these stories of multi-generational impact. You know, so guys like Harlan Helland impacted several generations of pastors and leaders, but even kids like me at Hillcrest. And I think we have that opportunity as a, as a church body to keep on impacting and calling and equipping the, the next generations to come. I also think of another moment where a few years ago, I, uh, I stopped in and, uh, for a visit at Hillcrest and I talked with two teachers, two teachers who are younger than me, talking about how some of the leaders of a previous generation stood in those halls at Hillcrest thinking about the future ministry of the LB, you know, going out and starting new churches and, you know, talking about Harlan Helland and, and Joel Aggie and some of the guys that, that we look up to and admire and have followed. Those guys that were younger than me knew their stories, knew they'd taken place in those same hallways, and, and they were feeling that call to lead and impact other people as well. That's something I love about, about the LB. Well, thank you for sharing. LB's a special place. It's a special place. And it's going to take a special person to lead it as we look going into the future here. And so one of the questions that we have for you thinking more along like the candidacy lines is what do you see as the role of the president of the Lutheran Brethren? That's a great question, Dan. Our, our mission field here in North America is changing rapidly. And I think that means that we are going to need to adapt rapidly. Our congregations and our, our denomination structure as well. We need to really focus on equipping our churches to make disciples, helping our congregations know what is it what does it mean to be a disciple, to make disciples? How do we equip people to be disciple makers? How do we lead churches full of disciple makers? How do we equip people to to train others in the faith, to lead Bible studies, to teach one another that goes beyond uh, training paid clergy? We're going to need to make a lot of changes quickly in order to do that. And it's going to mean helping our established churches be stronger and healthier and change some of their approaches to ministry. It's going to mean working together to start many new churches in North America and around the world. And so I, I think the, the role of the president is really important to that. It's really critical to that. The longer I've spent in the, in the CLB, I see that the, the role of president is pretty, pretty significant and not because of its uh, constitutional authority. And, you know, the, the president leads a lot of things in our organization, heads a lot of committees, uh, supervises a lot of employees. I think the biggest impact the president has, though, is in his influence, his relational influence, and his, his broader uh, symbolic strategic leadership of our church body. And that's where, you know, I, I think the role of the president is, is in the future is going to be in guiding our church body really to emphasize the parts of our denomination that are really an equipping association. I think that something that's very important throughout our history is how we've come together to do ministry together globally and here in North America, how we've come together to equip people, uh, pastors for church ministry and other lay people, like through our Bible school for lay ministry equipping young adults and, and giving them opportunities to serve in, in places around, around the world and around our country. That's what our denomination should focus on. And therefore, the president should really focus on leading a staff team that's, that's focused on, on equipping our congregations, equipping and serving our congregations. You know, there's, no, there's no denomination structure spoken of in Scripture our denominations really only exist to serve our local churches. And so 
I think the role of the president is to lead lead the staff that have been called to serve our churches through the execution of the of the mission of the church through our combined ministries. And I also think it means uh, the role of the president also should be out in our churches, equipping and, and training people for disciple making and ministry leadership. And again, not not telling our churches what to do, but serving our churches. You know, the Church of Lutheran Brethren doesn't exist to tell our churches what to do. It exists to serve our congregations in their disciple-making mission. And so as president, I would want to support our staff. We've got some really talented people working for our church body. And I, and I believe the role of the president is to help them succeed and thrive and, and do their very best to work effectively and efficiently and be good stewards of the resources that God has given to us. And I also think that the president needs to work very closely with the council of directors, our overseeing board of directors. They are ultimately are our leaders. And the president needs to work closely with them to make sure that we are, we're carrying out a vision, that we're heading in a direction that they're on board with, that they believe will be effective for the future of our church body. So I, I, see, the, the, I see the president as an equipper, a servant of the church, a coordinator of our joint ministry, and, and someone who serves our staff team to make sure that they have all they need to succeed and do well. And I, b- I believe our, our president needs to be someone who, who can help our church body adapt quickly to rapidly changing ministry conditions and somebody who can lead in crisis as well. Ryan, what is your biggest ministry-related passion? Definitely my biggest ministry-related passion is to equip others. I love uh, equi- helping equip others for the ministry that God has for them. So helping other people succeed and thrive and be prepared for the calling that God's placed on their life. That's what I love doing. I, I heard somebody once say that the gifts of a pastor can kind of break down into three categories. There's the, the preaching and teaching. There's the relational skills and caregiving. And there's leadership, organizational leadership, ministry leadership. But those three categories tend to be where pastors have gifts and pastors often have gifts in one or two of those areas. And I think my, my giftings lie in the areas of those relational skills and in organizational leadership. I, I, those are my areas of passion. And I love, I love working with teams. I love bringing people together and, and working with a team. I don't like doing ministry alone. I like doing it together. I think God's created us all to be in ministry together. And so that, that, care, that shapes my passions, helping set other people up. And I, and I think that's at this stage, I think that's something that's important for the role of president. For this chapter in our church's history, I think that's something that we need next, that we need, we need somebody who can equip and set up other people for, for, the, for success, to thrive in the calling that God's given to them, to equip other people. I believe that um, there's some pretty big changes we'll need to make in the years ahead. And, and some of that includes you know, giving away of authority, empowering other people to serve God. And it includes uh, equipping and training people beyond paid clergy, that, that we, in the next few years, we need to equip all kinds of people at all kinds of levels of ministry, levels of education, you know, levels of life experience, stages of, of faith, that we need to be able to, to equip all kinds of these different groups of people. And, and so I think, I think a president that's focused on 
helping others to grow and thrive and succeed. That's, that's something I'm most passionate about. So I think if, if I were to, if I were to be elected and serve for a term or several, you know, what would be left behind? I would want it to be a whole group of leaders that are way better than I am, more skilled and more gifted that over overshadow me and lots of other people that have come before the the new the next harlan helens the next joel eggies the next giants of the faith ultimately i would want to leave behind a strong a strong network of leaders more people equipped for leadership at more levels of our church body new leaders young leaders serving at the local level regionally and nationally as well. So as you talk about these these passions, these directions yeah. that you would like things to go, what do you see as your leadership strengths? What gifts has God given you that will enable these passions of yours to take place, this vision of yours to to go forward? Yeah, that's a good question and you know, it's probably one that that people that work with me would answer better, but um, some things that come to mind that I think you know would would serve me well in this role uh, include working with teams. I think I think my because my passion is in equipping others. One of my skills is in in working with teams, building teams to collaborate and empower and support the success of others in ministry. I think also another another uh, strength that I have is in leading ministry staff. You know I've I've served in one of our largest churches. I've had ample experience leading paid staff. And so I've had positive experiences like hiring, promoting, equipping employees. I've also had more difficult experiences like layoffs and uh, terminations, helping staff redirect their ministry to enhance their, their ministry performance. Um, I, love, I love organizational leadership. So I, I, pr- I pursued a doctorate in church executive leadership and I did my my thesis work on on church vitality, and so I just I love how the leadership of the church can really impact the the future, the health, the direction of the church, and and I think that 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 counts not just for congregations but for our denomination as well. So I love I love ministry planning, I love strategic planning, not because it's just this this process of putting things on paper and pushing things through step by step, but I see planning and direction setting as a way to help people work together. I see it good for relationships. It, I believe it, it helps bond people when we can work together in a common direction. Last couple of things that, that I'll mention, I, I have experience with new ministry initiatives. So I've, I've always had an excitement and interest in new forms of ministry. And so so I've, I've been in, in new, new ministry settings, helped start new forms of ministry, both before and during serving in the CLB uh, in North American Mission. I've been called upon to provide leadership in, in divisive situations. You know, I think there are in our church body several different groups of people that have, you know, different theological leanings, that have different opinions about philosophy of ministry. And in the past, I've been brought into settings to provide unity and leadership when it's not present at the moment. And I, I think we're in one of those seasons right now as a denomination where, where we, we, have, we have some disagreements and some division and, and differences of opinion. And I, and I think we need a leader who can work with, with groups who are, 
who are th- have different opinions, who are thinking differently, to help us find a, a common vision and direction for the future. And I also, I've demonstrated crisis leadership skills. So, you know, most recently during the, the first months of the pandemic, I took the lead on crisis response during COVID. And, you know, I, I found it to be an energizing challenge that that is something that I'm able to do and can uh, thrive when doing. And I think there are more challenges that are up ahead. I mean, it, which is hard, hard to imagine um, <laughs> all that we've been through over the last couple of years. This is the, the hardest, these last two years, absolutely the hardest years of ministry that I've seen as a pastor. But I think there are some unknown challenges that are around the corner too, and that we need to be ready to respond quickly to what, what those challenges are when they arise. So Ryan, our final question to ask you is, what do you like most and respect about the other candidate, President Paul Larson? A couple things come to mind. I think he's a—he's just a great family man. He loves his family, and that—that that comes across uh, pretty quickly. If you're in a conversation with him, you're—you're going to hear a great story about his family. Uh, he loves his wife and his kids, and as—as uh, as they're getting married and and uh, grandkids are entering the picture, you just tell how much joy he experiences in that and how much he loves them and i think that just sets a really good example for all of us pastors in in how we should be regarding our family and elevating them and the importance we should give them and i also think yeah and he loves he loves the lb i think that's pretty clear too spending time with him you know that he loves he loves the church body and again that's that's uh that's a great model to to set out for anybody in leadership in our church denomination Listeners, thank you for joining us today. We hope that you had a good time listening to this podcast and that it helped you get to know Ryan a little better. Don't forget to subscribe to our show and we'd love it if you shared the podcast with a friend or colleague. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. This has been an episode of the CLB Forge podcast brought to you by CLB North American Mission. Thanks for listening. We welcome your questions and comments. Email us at podcast at clbforge.org.